hello and thank you for tuning in to Tazi Encounters on Faith FM. And this is coming to you right across Australia, live from Hobart, Tasmania. And also today we have um, P- Pastor David Maxwell joining us from Launceston. How are you, David? Not too bad, thanks, Tabitha. How are you? I'm, I'm all right, thank God. Yeah, David, uh, we've got a bit of noise happening in the background up at your place today, unfortunately, that we can't do anything about, but uh, we'll, we'll bear with it. <laughs> yeah, I apologise for that. The, the council's decided a few minutes ago to start doing some um, um, shrub shredding. Yeah, hopefully uh, it won't go on too long, but we do apologise for our listeners for that, but uh, we do our best and hopefully you'll still get the message from today anyway. Uh, we'll just remind our listeners, we've got our show number, 0488880891. You can text in your questions, queries, comments and feedback. And also later in the program, we have a book offer that we'll be giving you a code and you can text in to that number. That's 0488880891. Okay, so David, um, you've been sharing a bit about yourself and your experience. Uh, I remember last time you shared about scuba diving, mm. uh, but I believe today you want to share something different with our listeners. Um, can you share a little bit more um, about your call to become a pastor? Yeah, sure, I can do that. Thanks, Tabitha. I was doing a whole bunch of different jobs I was working in. IT, I spent time in the Air Force. I worked for a machining company making large gears for a mine. I did a whole lot of things, worked in hospitality for a while, and all the way through, God was closing the doors of the, the places where I was working. So either the, the, the company would amalgamate or very few of the companies just stayed as they were. Some of them, where, where they didn't change, uh, I moved on because of different circumstances. And so I had felt when I left the Air Force uh, in 1990, I'd felt God's calling but really didn't have the faith to step out and, and do work for God like that. And then in 2008... Uh, I was I was doing a, a study in my Bible, and 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 God made it really really clear to me. I was reading Luke five eleven where Peter James and John were called into ministry, and 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 the the words jumped off the page at me. A number of things had happened around that time, and I'd realised finally that God was calling me again. He was patient with me, and so here I am at forty two realizing that, well, feeling like I've wasted half my life, and yet God is calling me to be a pastor. And and it was a really challenging time for me. But when I realized that he was calling me, nothing else mattered in my life. And, well, of course, my family still mattered, but nothing else mattered work-wise. It was, it was a call I couldn't deny. It was evidence that I asked for, and God proved himself over and over and over again and just answered every question I asked and so at the at the, at the ripe old age of 42 I, I started studying at college again and it was a real challenge for me I hadn't studied like that for a long time but it was something that I didn't think was possible to be able to go back uh, study a bachelor degree I'd never been to college before or university and and I studied this bachelor degree, and God gave me really good strength the whole way through. Graduated uh, very very well, and I was amazed how much God was leading 
and and how much when I put my life in his hands, he was willing to take control and make everything fall into place. It's amazing, isn't it, how God works in in those ways where uh, sometimes it's just a matter of us uh, letting go a little bit, isn't it? And uh, yeah. and then he 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 has the room to to work. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You're yeah. right, Jason, and, and that's what I think is important. Yeah. So, um, do you want to just recap where we've come from before Ooh. we get into today's study? Yeah, no worries. So after looking at God's amazing love displayed historically through the lives of the Israelites last week, uh, the first week in this part of the series, we were looking at Moses and God's love displayed through him. And and we looked at the Israelites last week. And today we're going to look, uh, continue looking back into the past. And we're going to look at how his love is displayed, his amazing love to the people that were round about, that were about to be conquered. Now, this is a question that has uh, troubled many people when we see these conquerings of these nations and it doesn't look nice. It mm. doesn't look nice. And so it's a, it's a difficult um, uh, topic today, but we're going to look at it. Mm. I've entitled it The Walls of Jericho, mm. and we'll start by reading this interesting story in the book of uh, Joshua. But before we do that, I thought, would you mind uh, if, if I prayed? Sure, and just before we pray. Yeah, just remember, uh, David, we appreciate you sharing your personal experiences on how God's shown his amazing love to you. And just to our listeners, if you missed last week's episodes and the previous weeks, just know that you can listen to that on Faith FM app or the Faith FM website. Yeah. Let's pray, David, before we get into today's program. Right. Thanks, Jason. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. That all these people who are listening today have joined us. I pray that you would be with us, speak to them through your word and through what we say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So would one of you like to read Joshua six fifteen to 17 and 20 to 21 for me? Yeah, we can do that. So in Joshua six fifteen to 17, it says, But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And I continue with verse 20. Um, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpet. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. That's a challenging verse, isn't it? It's yeah, a challenging certainly. verse. Yeah. And, and so I want to open with an illustration um, why things happen. And this is a, I've, I felt this was a really good illustration. Antonio, uh, Antonius uh, Mavropopoulos, I think I've said that right, was, was really angry because he was rushing to catch uh, a flight at the airport, and, and I've had this experience myself. Uh, he was doing everything possible to get there on time, but he missed the plane by only two minutes. The, the boarding call uh, had finally finished, his final boarding call, and he missed it by just two minutes. So he was yelling at the admin staff to allow him on board, but it wasn't any good. 
Little did he know that by not giving in to his rants and frustrations and doing things above and beyond the, the rules, these people had actually just saved his life. Uh, he was taken off to the security office because he was so uh, angry about this and he was being, inverted commas, chatted to uh, by the security staff and the police. And he was told, after a few minutes, to stop protesting and thank God instead. And, and he didn't know what was going on. They had received information that Flight 302 was missing and they soon found out that it had crashed, killing everyone on board. Mm. And he collapsed. He actually collapsed when he realised how fortunate that being late that day had actually been. You know, so we don't always see the things that are going on. You know, we, we complain about the, the streets, um, the, the street lights, the people that cut us off, the things that delay us. Little do we know how much that could be saving us from. Mm. So sometimes when you read the stories in the Bible, they can be really hard to understand, uh, reading them through 21st century eyes. And, and this story has certainly raised some questions for people. You know, it, it, it seems really harsh, doesn't it? It does. it does. Yeah. And I think sometimes um, some of those things that we go through, they teach us some characters that we need to use later on in life, um, like stopping at a traffic light, you're feeling impatient, you know, mm. it's teaching you to be patient. And we really need that um, attribute of patience. Yeah. Correct. And, and we may never know that at the next set of traffic lights, somebody ran the light and you could have been killed. Yeah. You know, well, so we, don't, we don't see what happens behind the scenes. You know, God sees mm. things from a different perspective. We see things from our very limited human perspective. Yeah, that's right. That's mm. right. The, the story is, like, really horrific. You know, it doesn't sound like a loving God. And that's why earlier in the piece we, we were looking at the attributes of God and, and the attributes of God that came from God himself, from his mouth, said He is a loving and patient God. So we want to look at today how is it that we can see God's amazing love demonstrated through this story. And, and perhaps our listeners out there would like to text in their responses, Jason, and you might let them know how they can do that as we go through the issue and we unfold it here today. Yeah, sure. And uh, our offer today is going to be a book called Not Alone, uh, 0488880891. Uh, you can text in your responses to that question, just reiterating that question. Yes, so the question to our listeners today is, what do you think of this event? So we've read how the... Um, city of Jericho was destroyed. Yeah. So do you think God was loving in the way he deals with these people? Text us your responses to 488 We'd love to hear from you. Okay, we're going to go to a break. And uh, this first song is called Greater Than Grace by Kayla Hopkins. What do you say to someone it feels like they've lost it all Over the edge with no one there to break their fall What do you say to someone who feels so unloved Giving themselves away a little bit every day just to be good enough What do you say to a hopeless soul who can't remember them to hear the truth. There is no valley, there is no darkness, there is no sun. 
There's nothing greater than grace by Kayla Hopkins. Um, welcome back, listeners, and you're listening to Taz Encounters on Faith FM. And today we are here with Pastor David Maxwell, and uh, we are looking at God's amazing love shown to the people around the Israelites in the Bible history. So, David, we've been talking about this uh, Battle of Jericho, where the uh, walls came down, and all of the people who, I guess, had rejected God had. Um, they're instructed to kill them. It's a bit of a difficult yeah. story to understand. So what else can you share about it? Yeah, it's a terrible story. But to understand this better, what I'd like to do is actually read another story in connection with this. And and that happens before the city's destroyed, as I think it'll give you some context and background on, on the story we've just read. So the people of Israel... Uh, have ended the 40 years of wandering in the desert when they left Egypt 40 years before that day when the day they left the day they came out became the first month of their year and the Passover it was called the Passover because those plagues that came on Egypt God passed over the Israelites who had put the blood on their doorposts uh, representing the blood of Christ all those years in the future so that Passover happened on the 14th day of that first month of that year here 40 years later they cross over the Jordan and again celebrate the Passover right on that same time as they did each year again on the 14th day of the first month on the 41st year of their exit from Egypt that very next day the manna stops. They were eating that manna that God gave them every day. And after they had that final Passover, once they'd crossed the Jordan, no more manna. And they ate the produce of the land from there on. So just before this, Joshua had sent two spies across the river into Jericho, uh, the first major city they encounter, to spy out the land. And this interesting story unfolds. Let me read it from Joshua 2, 8 to 11. Now before they lay down again, uh, she came up to them 
on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, and when you came out of Egypt, and what he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath." Clearly, it appears that they, they, they choose the most insignificant, these two spies, an unimportant person to go through to in the city of Josh, uh, Jericho mm. to uh, start searching out and finding out a little bit about them. It, they thought, I guess, that it would lessen suspicion about themselves if they go to this kind of a person, you know, a prostitute. Everyone goes in to a place like that. Well, in those days, mm. if somebody came into the, 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 the city um, and they wanted to um, be a little inconspicuous, I guess, that's a place they would go. And so there probably wouldn't have been anything unusual out of that, but something about them must have given them away. So they're seen, and the word gets back to the king. He sends some people to arrest them, but Rahab has hidden them on her roof and then sends them away. However, she lets them down by a rope out the, out the window because her house was actually in the city wall. However, before she sends them away, we hear this amazing confession of hers mm. about the God of the Israelites. So let me read it again. He, she says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were there on the other side of the Jordan, Shion and Og. And then she, she, she uses this, this confession, if you like, um, there's no more courage in anyone for the Lord your God. He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. So you remember the crossing of the Red Sea. That took place 40 years before. And, and, the, and, and the word about this had traveled far and wide so that along with the other things that had happened more recently, this city and the people in it already had a knowledge of the God of Israel. And following this, Rahab had become convinced that this God was the true God. Um, so, David, you're saying that the people in the city were pre-warned? Um, yeah. Do you, are you saying that God had given them a lot of time to change their ways? Yeah, that's right, Tabitha. Yeah. You know, God, God demonstrates his mercy to those who choose him. And uh, he had given all of that time, all of that time, for them to hear about God, change their ways, uh, come around to his way of thinking, and to connect to this God who gives life. So after all these stories that Rahab had heard, it would appear that either just Rahab was convinced or mm -hmm. Rahab and her whole family were convinced and converted, recognizing the true God. It, it's interesting. I'm, I'm just wondering why Rahab, you know, why did God <laughs> choose Rahab or why, why would is it only Rahab who... Uh, who responded? It's an interesting question, I think. It's an amazing question, and, and we'll look at this in future weeks as well. The, the people who seem to be down and out in society, the people who have very, very deep needs, the love of God seems to resonate with them. 
mm. you know, and here, here, um, Rahab, you know, it's unfortunate for this poor lady because she's known throughout the Bible after this as Rahab the harlot. Mm. <laughs> and it's a horrible tag to have. Mm. But it shows the level of insignificance she must have had in that society. And yet this woman with such insignificance had responded to the love of God, had responded to this God of heaven. Mm. So, and, and, and she convinced her family or must have, must have convinced her family, I guess, because they came and sheltered with her. Yeah, and at the yeah. very least, she becomes a saviour for them. She's this inter, uh, interceder. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about this after the break, but you know, she intercedes on behalf of her family. And and Rahab accepts the God of Israel and not only asks for her own salvation, but that of all her family. And and these guys these guys actually agree with that. And mm. this is this is the promise of salvation that's given to them. The, an amazing part of God's mercy and grace, his amazing love, in that these spies here were speaking on behalf of God and his people, and they accept this request by this woman, this really a woman who was nothing in society there, but she'd responded to the God of heaven, their God. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and they promised to spare Rahab and a whole family. And, and I think this is incredible. It shows an amazing miracle of God that when they come later, her and her whole family are saved. And, yeah, yeah they, they're given this, they, they give her a stipulation they say uh, yes we'll agree to this to, for you but everybody has to be in your house yeah. and if they are not in your house they we accept no yeah. responsibility for what happens to them mm. so there's there's a requirement for them Jason mm. and Tabitha you know there's a requirement that that they have to listen and they mm. have to obey and they have to obey very specifically mm. because if they stepped outside of God's grace Yep. Then they get what they get. Yep. And and that's the same for us today, isn't it? Yep. Well, we're going to go to a break uh, shortly, but uh, I want to remind our listeners we've got an offer coming up, and it's called Not Alone, the book by Cheryl Porter. And uh, after the break, we're going to get more into this story. But uh, right now, we've got a song for you. Yes, and this song is called By Thy, by Thy Mercy by Matthew Smith.
Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and that was Matthew Smith with By Thy Mercy. Now, David, we've been talking about how God worked in different ways, ways that we fail to understand sometimes, but uh, in this case, uh, the Israelites um, and, and what they'd been going through in the wilderness, uh, people had heard about that. People had heard about what had happened before, and uh, in this case, Rahab in particular had heard, and she'd uh, she'd taken that into account in her um, uh, behaviour and her beliefs, and I guess in the way she responded to these people who came to her. Yeah, that's right. One of the things this shows us is that God wasn't being cruel with those in in Jericho, but instead he was showing them grace. And it can be seen by the reaction of the people around, even after these 40 years of warnings. And and to, to illustrate this, I need to explain another story, because as they're approaching, 
As they're um, on the other side of the Jordan, and uh, this was uh, connected with the story we talked about last week about the snakes and uh you know coming towards the end but there were still some rebels there as they were as they were in that area a a king by the name of of balak uh, he was a moabite king he saw this this vast vast number of people we we estimate it to be about one and a half million people um you know bigger than the the city of launceston for sure certainly mm-hmm. maybe it's bigger than hobart i don't know how big the uh the, the population of hobart is but there's this huge number of people in the plain of moab and so this king um is this moabite king balak he he thinks well perhaps i i know of a prophet who calls himself this God's prophet. If I get him to come and curse this people, then perhaps they will, you know, fall to deceptions or they'll, or they'll uh, you know, fall away from their God and they'll be punished rather than coming in and, and fulfilling all of these things clearly he's even heard about. So he goes and he, he sends some people to go to this prophet, this man by the name of Balaam. Now, clearly he was a prophet, but uh, it's unclear whether he was uh, a prophet of God in the past or whether he was, uh, uh, you know, had fallen away from that. But he knew how to speak to God and he knew how to connect with God. And these guys come with all this wealth and they say, you know, oh, we want you to come and we want you to curse these people. But God says, don't go. But Balaam is a a prophet for profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. He, he likes the money. And mm. so he, he, he goes and he prays and he goes back to the people and he says, well, God said I can't come. And uh, they say, yes, but we're going to give you all these things. And he, he goes back, he says, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just double check with God again. And so he goes back and God's angry because he's not listening. He's not listening to God. He wants the money. That's really his God. And God says, all right, if they call you again, then go. So he doesn't wait for them to call him. He just goes down to them and he says, right, we're going to pack our bags and let's get going. So he goes with a man, and you may have heard this story in the Bible about his donkey. I have, you yeah. Know, <laughs> God will use whatever method he can to reach out to people. And this is one of the most unusual stories in the Bible where he's, he's riding on this donkey and the donkey gets to see the spiritual realm and he sees this angel or she sees this angel on the road with a flaming sword ready to destroy Balaam and Balaam doesn't see it he only sees in the physical and so the donkey pushes him you know um, he goes she goes off the road and he beats the donkey and he's angry with the donkey and eventually as the story goes I'll have to cut it short a little bit eventually as the story goes he gets to see the angel as well so he's beating the donkey and the donkey speaks to him God uses the donkey to speak his language and reprimand him and then his eyes are open he sees the angel and it's it's amazing that he he rebukes the donkey rather than being surprised the donkey is talking (laughs) and i I just don't get that but that's how far from god he really was so he goes with balak he goes up into these different places in the mountains overlooking the plains where they can see all the people and 
he goes to speak to God. He says, I can't, but after this experience, he says, you know, he just acknowledges, I can't but speak what God wants me to say. So he goes, he talks to God, he does the sacrifices, he comes back and he says, and he just blesses the people. And Balak is angry, and so he takes him to a different high place. Same thing happens, talks to God, does the sacrifices, comes back and he blesses the people again. And the third time he blesses them, and Balak is really, really angry. So this, these stories give me an, uh, an interesting insight into what was happening around about the area at the time. Not only was Balak, and as the king of the Moabites, aware of God, they knew where to go to get a prophet who was speaking to God. They knew what to do to curse the people. So there was this knowledge of God that was in the area around in Moab, just, mm. you know, in the plains of Moab. So God was really trying to reach out to them. Yeah, God had been trying to reach out to them for a long, long time. And, you know, it's really interesting because you think, after all of this, Balaam would actually recognize who God was and start, you know, obeying him properly again, but he doesn't. He later conspires with the, the, the Balak because he didn't get anything that time. Because he blessed the people, didn't curse them, Balak didn't give him anything. Mm. And he wanted those riches. So later on, he goes to Balak and he says, um, I know how you can make the people go astray. He says, you go and send some of your women down there. They'll be drawn away with the women. They'll start entering into all the idol worship and, and, and they'll, be, uh, they'll be doing the wrong thing. And they were punished when they did that. So this is part of the rebellious people, you know, around that time with the snakes where they're not yet, you know, died in the desert. And, mm-hmm. and you see that God is working. So later as the Israelites conquer, because Balaam nor Balak, so Balaam is the prophet and Balak is the king, neither of them have actually listened to God or repented, neither of them are spared. Mm-hmm. And as, as I look at this, I see that God is faithful. God is faithful. He's faithful in cho- to ensure that everybody has a chance to hear about him, to know what's right and to, and to do it, or at the very least to know what's right and to do it. Um, God was also ensuring that his promises to those who went before that the Messiah would come. Now, to explain that, what I mean is, if these rebellious nations had been left in place, they most likely would have fully infiltrated God's people and led them completely away from following God and then extinguished the lineage of Christ. And the Messiah wouldn't have come as promised. So, you know, we're looking at a bigger picture here. We're looking at a much bigger picture. In allowing the Israelites to be God's instrument of judgment, I'm confident they understood how intimately and how, and how hard it was for God to one day destroy those who continue to rebel and reject his offer of life. Um, you know, it's a big picture thing that's going on here. And what, what we realize is perhaps, perhaps as we look at this, that we don't have all the information. Um, let me explain through another illustration of losing a battle but winning a war. Um, often generals will, will do this. They see that it will cost lives if they do this particular thing and that battle will be considered as lost. But in the overall scheme of things, 
they will win a war if they concede to that defeat right there. This happened with Poland, um, Belgium, not quite in the same way, but Poland, Belgium, Netherlands and Luxembourg, they lost the battle but won the war because although they were originally defeated by the Germans, uh, they returned with the Allies and eventually won the war. So sometimes on a wider scale of things, there are bigger and more important issues at stake. And in this case, it was the salvation of the whole world. But God still saved those who wanted to be saved. You know, uh, this, this woman, Rahab, and her whole family wanted to be saved. So God let them be saved, and he, and he worked a way out that they could be saved. But the rest of them, in the, in the city of Jericho, uh, in, the, in the towns and country, around about this area where they were coming into, they had not responded in the right way to the God of this this nation. Um, so David, from your sharing, what I'm gathering is that you're saying rather than being unkind or cruel, God was actually has shown great restraint to um, the people in the city of Jericho for 40 mm. years. Yeah, for 40 years he'd been That's patient. That's a really long time. It has, and, and, and we don't see that often. You know, We don't see that God has been working his way to win these people, to reach these people through various means. It wasn't just for the people of Israel. They had a special task to play. They had a special role to play in to illustrate to the world what God was like. But they weren't any different, as in you know, God didn't want them to be saved and no one else. He wanted everyone to be saved. Yeah. Mm. We're going to go to a break shortly, but um, Tabitha is going to just share with us the a bit more information about the book offer that we've got for today. Um, so for today's offer, the book is entitled uh, Not Alone by Cheryl Porter. And um, this book is talking about a young girl by the name Kelly. Um, so Kelly's mom was always working. Her dad was often drunk and her older brother had his own life. And when she started junior high, um, even her friend Heather didn't hang out with her anymore. So she was feeling lonely. And when um, she got to ninth grade, um, Kelly was very happy to find that she had a best friend by the name Mary. But unfortunately, that didn't last long because her parents decided to move to a smaller house, which was a bit far from that school. And um, the new place didn't have enough bedrooms, so Kelly had to sleep out in the guest house. And while she was there, um, Kelly used to wager board to contact the previous owner of the house. At first, having her own, um, her very own ghost made her feel special. But the attention soon turned ugly, and eventually she discovered that only God could banish the demon for good, and that he had never left her to fight her battles alone. And I believe this is um, a story that most people can um, can um, feel like they relate in today's world where many people feel alone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this book um, can just give you an insight of God's love for us and that God is always there for us. He's never deserted us. Mm. Um, We'll give you the code to the offer after the break. And just remember, um, for the questions, today's questions, don't forget to text in your answers of what you think, um, how God dealt with the people in the city of Jericho. Do you think God was fair? Um, Text in your answers or any questions you may have to 0488-880-891. This is what love really means by JJ Heller. He cries in the corner where nobody 
sees He's the kid with the story no one would believe He prays every night Dear God, won't you please Could you send someone here who will love me? J.J. Heller with what love really means. It reminds me of the story of Rahab there, who she had had a bit of a past, and uh, yet God still chose her because he loved her. And um, we're going to just give the code away now that we promised just before the break. This is to our book, our offer today, Not Alone. 
by Cheryl Porter, and the code is AMAZING8. Now, just text that in, no spaces, just the word AMAZING, and then immediately with the number 8 on the end. Text that through to 0488 David, we've got about six and a half minutes, seven minutes left, so Ooh. we've got just a little bit more to share about this story, and in particular how he chose not only the people of Israel, but he also was concerned about the people around in the, in the lands that were living around them. Yeah, he really did, Jason. He was concerned about everyone. And, and we were talking about the bigger picture. You know, God does care about everyone. And, and he, he's interested to make sure that everyone has a chance to know him, or at least to know what's right, to know about him, and, and have an opportunity to respond, an opportunity to do it. And often, you know, we forget there's that bigger picture in play. The bigger picture was that God made a promise right back in the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned. God promised to send a Redeemer. That Redeemer would pay the penalty for humans' sin, mankind's sin and failings. And so that would enable us to be reunited with him. So down through the centuries that followed... God always had some who were faithful to carry that promise through to fulfillment. And you know, the amazing part of this story is that Rahab, as I said before, was forever known as Rahab the prostitute, but she actually becomes the great-great-grandmother of King David and is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. So she ended up playing a very important role in the messiahship if you like in the in the lineage of the messiah when jesus was to come so here she separates herself from the people in jericho she sets herself herself apart if you like from those people she grew up and i don't know what nationality she was i don't know too much about her at all only that she was living in the city of jericho mm. but she responded differently to the people who were around her. Excuse me. That's all right. We'll have David back in a moment. I think he's uh, just having some trouble with his voice at the moment. <laughs> Thanks, David. Yeah, sorry about that. You're right. <laughs> so, I've, yeah, I've got myself a cold, and, and it's hard sometimes to uh, keep talking and not cough, but I think I've done okay today. Yeah, you've done well. <laughs> so, you know, she, she was completely separated from that wicked and rebellious nation. So Rahab goes on to assimilate with the Israelites and become an important matriarch in the lineage of the Messiah. Mm. So you see, we don't often have all the facts, but when we learn more, we can often understand why God did what he did. And for me, it's very, very important in that, that, that looking at the big picture mm. and looking at how uh, God is going, is going to have to do something that is completely against his nature one day. It's, it's part of his justice. You know, I don't, I don't understand it fully, but God is going to have to remove sin from the universe. He, he can't allow, and, and of course we wouldn't want him to allow, sin and, and, and the terrible atrocities that we've seen in human history to continue being repeated and going on and on and on. So God is going to have to do something about that, and he's going to remove sin. He's told us in the Bible that he's going to remove sin, and we'll look at that in future weeks as well. 
But I believe in involving the Israelites here and having them be his uh, instruments, if you like, of, of judgment, I believe they got to know a little bit more about how hard it is for God to let anyone go. I, I couldn't go into a city and do the things that they had to do. I don't think it was easy for them. It's not like you see in movies where there's gore and, and the people are, are relishing in doing this. They would not have enjoyed doing this at all. Mm. And, and so I just see in the picture of this that God has the development of the Israelites in mind. He has his mercy and grace. For 40 years, he, he calls out to these people and eventually says, well, you know, time's up, time's up. Only the number who are saved in this house are going to be saved. And if you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Webster was sharing about Nebuchadnezzar. God pursued Nebuchadnezzar, perhaps because he really knew his heart. And, and he knew that he really wanted to, fo- uh, to follow God. And for 40 years, God ensured that the people of Jericho got to hear about God's amazing power and love. So they'd have time to change, but in the end, few did. Mm. Such is God's amazing love that as we read some time ago in Psalms 23, he pursues us to give us every opportunity to be saved, but he won't wait forever. You know, mm. time eventually runs out. The time of mercy for us will run out eventually just as it did for Jericho. And so we shouldn't put things off. We, you know, God was persistent and patient with the people of Jericho. He's persistent and patient with us. He was merciful with those in Jericho for 40 years, but eventually their time ran out. Mm. He's merciful with us, and eventually our time will run out as well, Jason. Yeah. And God is gracious, and he allows the Israelites to experience what it was like for him to have to let go of those that he loves and one day he has to destroy the wicked, get rid of the sin from the universe. He's gracious with us. And he sometimes allows us to be part of that reprimand to others, if you like, so that we can understand more about God and how hard it is for him to let go of people that he loves. It's a, it's a challenging story for us, and it's hard for us to understand, but uh, I think you've given us uh, something really good to think about, um, David, in the in mm. the context of of love and the fact that God is patient and he does give us many opportunities to respond. He does, and he's always fair and just in his dealings with us. We can be sure of that. So regardless of how harsh some of these stories may appear in the Bible, we can be assured, and it's why I go back to Exodus 34 and I reread when I see these stories, I reread what God's character is really like and I can see that his amazing love is always demonstrated in some way. Mm. Okay, beautiful sharing, David, there. Um, and just to remind our listeners for today's free offer um, of the book, Not Alone by Cheryl Porter, uh, remember to text us the code Amazing Aid, no space, just the word Amazing and letter 8, um, to 488 David, what have you got for us next week? So next week we're going to jump forward to the time of Jesus and we're going to have a look at God's amazing love expressed historically, uh, how he demonstrated his amazing love through his impartiality. Very important talk and it's entitled The Least of These. I know that you'll enjoy it. 
Yeah. Now, do remember to text us in, and if you are listening after the event, this is our live program at the moment going right across Australia, but if you're listening to this on the podcast, on the app, or on the website, you can still text us in your response to our questions, and uh, but also the code word for today as well, AMAZING8. Okay, uh, we thank our listeners for tuning in today. And uh, for our next program with David Leo on Monday, um, with his uh, Encounters with Jesus, the title of that of Monday's, Monday's program is A New Family, and we hope you can join us for that. I hope you have a nice weekend. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, David, and we look forward to speaking to you again next Friday. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Jason and Tabitha. God bless. We're going to go out now with a song by Sarah Crozier, and this song is called Oh God Beyond All Praising.